0: Many newspapers have called it the greatest club game ever. The strength of Munster Rugby has always been the big boys up front. I'm actually really, really excited for it. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Niamh Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports. Uh,
1: ran their socks off tonight. and They left everything out
2: there. They're very proud of the, the team's
0: performance. Let the shadows off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them.
1: Hello there and welcome back to the Koi Gig Pod, O2B's home of the Women's Super League, Irish Football and everything in between. I'm Cathy McNamee and as always I'm joined by the one and only Karen Duggan. Karen how are you? I think we're kind of passing. Happy New Year. I don't know where the line is
0: but. The, the line is we're, gone. We're into yeah. the January, the decks of to, January now.
1: Yeah we're past it so instead happy return of the podcast day. How yeah. are you doing?
0: <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. WSL is back so that's brings a bit of cheer to our dreary january exactly it's
1: only kind of half back though with all the cancellations but yeah, we'll trend. get into that in our roundup um it won't just be karen and i for the podcast emma carroll will of course be with us later on to give us her team of the week despite all the cancellations so kind of a bit of a, a rogue team of the week once again we've had a few of those this season yeah. and after that ireland and aston Villa's rich and little john will be popping along for a chat too I suppose it's a good place to start is those cancellations. We had Chelsea's home game against Tottenham uh, postponed, West Ham's match with Manchester United, and then also Aston Villa with Everton postponed because of COVID outbreaks. It's been interesting because I think there was 40 positive tests across the league last week. And I've noticed the FA have started up their um, emails again. They like send out an email weekly saying there's been a certain amount of COVID numbers in the league. And they had stopped them for like a good number of months. And just with the way things are at the moment, they've restarted things. Do you think the three games that were there should have gone ahead or should they have just kind of counted this as an off week?
0: It's hard to say because the more fixtures you postpone, the longer the season is. And then you get into the argument at the end of the season. Oh, we've had such and such amount of internationals on duty. We're picking up injuries because the girls have been training for too much. Um, and it is extending their load and extending the, the season. They might have to play extra midweek games. So there's an argument to and for, um, I think personally, most teams want to play. Um, if they, if they don't want to play, obviously they're going to put in an appeal and request that. Um, but for the most part, everyone wants want to fulfill their fixtures because you've trained for that match all the way throughout the week. All your video analysis has been done and, it's disappointing when something is called off. So um, I th- I don't think it, that anyone wants to see all of the games put off. Um, it, it We don't know how long this is going to last. So um, we don't want to set too much for precedence either.
1: Yeah, and it is difficult. I think it's Chelsea and West Ham are the two teams that will go like 35 days or something without a WSL fixture, which is a long time, even just in terms of getting teams, you know, back into that match rhythm. There's only so much you can do at home without like actually copying what a match day is like and i know that a lot of the teams now depending on their abilities, like the league itself has requested that teams go from testing twice a week to three times a week but some like clubs are doing testing every day depending on their facilities i think arsenal are doing all their tactics meetings virtually so there is a lot going on to try and protect it as much as possible but uh to look at the games that did happen and i don't think we thought we were going to be analyzing a match quite like Uh, Birmingham and Arsenal so soon after the Chelsea game before Christmas where we were like oh Chelsea have definitely thrown the title and now (laughs) Arsenal have just handed them a big old favour with their 2-0 loss to Birmingham. They really have
0: have won in
1: 805 days at home. I know. Days it's
0: it's crazy that uh, that outlives her, outranks the actual pandemic, which tells you how long it is because that feels like it's been going on forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. but what a win it was, and just to go to Arsenal at first. Yeah, they they were poor, and um, Chelsea will be happy that their game was off and looking at that, they'll really be buoyed going into their next game. Um, obviously. They had a really disappointing last game of the season, so they'll be looking at this and they'll have kind of renewed energy based off that Arsenal result. So maybe there is one positive of their game being cancelled, but not to take away from what Birmingham did. They got the tactics bang on. They knew that Arsenal would have possession, which they did. They had almost 70% possession, but it doesn't really reflect how the game went because Birmingham looked dangerous and they actually had more shots than Arsenal which absolutely no one would have predicted if there was ever going to be a Birmingham win you would have said they get one corner and Louise will tap it in from one yard out with her head but that wasn't (laughs) that wasn't the the flow of the game at all um yes it was counter-attacking football from Birmingham but they look dangerous
1: yeah some of the stats out of the game are just kind of mad you look at like before this game Birmingham have only led for 11 minutes all season like that is ridiculous and even that they were able to hold on to that lead and that somewhere Arsenal didn't I don't know you kind of would expect a team of that quality in class to buoy themselves up and say okay we need to do something but instead you had players like Mijama getting booked for like just general mm. frustration and giving off to the rest. but I think it's like you said like Birmingham really deserved it it wasn't a case of them just grabbing a random goal at some point they like played they set up to play I think Darren Carter said after the game that it was days like that. That's why he wanted to go into management because of how his team has played and how they responded and how they held Arsenal. Um, and like I think before this game, they only had four league goals and they scored two against the unbeaten leaders of the league. You know, that's yeah. not just a rogue win. That is a well-planned out attack and defensive display.
0: Definitely. And you have to give credit to Carter for that because well, that game that they lost to Leicester, you could see everyone had their heads in their boots. And to be fair, I was looking at Leicester and the games that Leicester was playing, and I was like, Leicester looked like a better team. They were getting closer to their opposition. Um, no, they weren't getting the points, but you were kind of thinking if it's coming down to the wire between those two teams, Leicester do look like they could pip it. But you just kind of wonder with the new management and with the work that they've done during this Christmas period, are we going to see a different Birmingham or is this a one off? Either way, it's an unbelievable result for them you can only think that this will give them the confidence to go forward and start getting more results because it's huge it's huge psychologically on both ends of the table I mean Arsenal had the chance to go seven points clear I think was it and now Chelsea can kind of kind of keep tabs on them and also Birmingham have now leapfrogged Leicester so psychologically it it's it was a big one on both ends of the table
1: yeah, we talk about Birmingham a lot because of the Irish contingent in this one. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely was getting to the stage where I was like, we're not going to be able to analyse the people <laughs> yeah. Birmingham win this season just because of how they were playing. Did not expect this result. And I also sets it up even more interestingly, the fact that Arsenal are playing Chelsea on the 13th of February. So that game is coming up. It's very soon. Both teams, I think, have quite a bit to prove. And again a match that should, if Arsenal had won today, you would be saying, well, okay, it's just a chance for Chelsea to keep tabs on them. But now that both of them have had these shock victories, it's just made the title race a little bit more interesting.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, it's very, very interesting. Um, And while the pandemic and all in all is a bad thing, we have spoken about Chelsea's fatigue and their congestion of fixtures and how that might have affected them having had such a long season last season. So this could actually work in their favour so like you say there could be some controversy in terms of should all the games have been cancelled and how will this all affect everything going forward but that remains to be seen but either way it sets up a really really enticing tie between the two Um, I think all, all eyes will be on that game in February um, and what happens in between you'd expect both teams to kind of win their games in between but um, yeah that's going to be a huge huge one to look forward to
1: also made more interesting by the fact that a lot of the Australian players and say like Mano bucci will all be off for the Asian Cup. So we're going to see two teams. Arsenal, I think, are losing a lot more players, but arguably you'd say Chelsea losing Sam Kerr could be the bigger deal. So it'll just be interesting to see how they actually end up lining out. Another thing I thought off the back of that match and especially interesting because the Telegraph had a source piece on it today is the fact that Medima's contract is coming to an end at the end of this season. She hasn't looked particularly happy for a while. There are reports that like Barcelona, PSG and a host of other clubs are interested in her, but that she still does want to stay in London with Arsenal if they can prove to her that they want to make some big signings, that they want to win silverware. So it will be interesting to see what Arsenal do for the rest of this transfer window in terms of not only just signing players, but also signing playful with the view of keeping her. I mean, if Medima goes to barcelona everyone else might as well, just well that's it now. they're gonna have
0: to they're gonna have to bring out the big guns yeah maybe she's settled and likes life in london and that's where she is and she's had great success with arsenal but when barcelona comes sniffing that's not something that you you don't think about and you don't consider it considering the way that they play you can imagine her fitting into that team just playing on the shoulder all that combination footballer for a, a player of her um football intelligence that seems like the dream um so I, I'm surprised by her saying she even wants to say I wouldn't be, be saying that at this point because I just I think it's too enticing uh, an offer at the moment. If if that's true, that Barcelona are interested. Of course, they are. She's one of the top strikers. But yeah, it's it's an important kind of window for Arsenal and they're going to have to bounce back from this and bounce back quickly if they're to, to keep her mindset that she wants to stay in London with them.
1: Yeah, Arsenal fans everywhere will be praying for the next three yeah. or four months that they sign. I know they're looking at players like Blackstidious as well, who we obviously know from like, yes. the way she's played against Ireland in recent times. So a signing like that would definitely go a long way to also helping uh, the general defensive record of the club. A massive win for Man City against Brighton. Uh, again, quite a surprising one considering Man City's form and also Brighton's form but I suppose they have had a bit of a tough run the last while so third straight defeat for a team that looked quite they were kind of one of the teams that we had up there with the United and Tottenham's of the league that were kind of you know pushing a bit more towards the top of the table
0: yeah and they have just kind of slipped a little bit in recent times and you wonder is it kind of strength and depth in their squad um and then it's the opposite for City, you can see that they had Lucy Bronze coming back and even maybe even more important than that, Steph Houghton coming off the bench because what they were lacking was stability and kind of just cohesion between the lines and they were moving centre midfielders into centre backs. And by bringing those two players in alone, it it just shored up the defence. I don't think Brighton looked like they were going to, to threaten them. Now they held Man City for a long time, but in terms of possession and the amount of shots that, City had even though all the goals were scored in the second half and it it started with no G you can't say that City didn't deserve a comprehensive win there
1: Hmm. and do you think with the return of players like Seth Horton and Lucy Brons this could be the start of a renaissance for City in the league because we've talked about it quite a lot the fact that they have really underperformed and I suppose one of the big things about that 6-0 win was okay it was over Hope Howells Brighton a team that were very well respected there was a variety of goal scorers, you know, it wasn't just one person running up and getting them all. I thought there was like quite a few individual performances that were really good, especially the likes of Hayley Rasso and then Lauren Hemp, as per usual, who just always always seems to play incredibly well. And I think her performance in particular probably defined the rest of the City squad in terms she was like just at the centre of everything. And the work rate that she put in. Yeah, was she's such a busy team. and
0: aggressive player in her style of play. Um, and that really suits them when you have the kind of more stable backline. Uh, and that's, I think, all that was missing. So I, I do see uh, a resurgence coming for Man City. I think it would be good for the league. Um, and you can see they've already leapfrogged Brighton, um, which just with that one win, they will have Spurs and, and Man United in, in their sights. They won't want people saying that those two teams are better than them. Their chances of winning the league Um, obviously are are slim to none at this point given how good Chelsea and Arsenal have been uh, to date but they won't see themselves as a a sixth place team they'll be up in the top looking at themselves to be in the top three for sure
1: Yeah and you can imagine that England fans are very happy to see both bronze and Horton back after Yeah, while the national team hasn't missed them in the same way but also arguably they haven't really had that many tough opponents in the last couple of months you can see how much City did miss them and i mean players of their quality or yeah and
0: when you are struggling you need kind of leaders on the pitch and those two have have done it all and seen it all at at the highest level both internationally and domestically um and bronze in in a couple of countries now at this point so you can't underestimate how much that brings to a team and how important that is in terms of lifting a team who are struggling um uh, and and getting through kind of diverse times and the, all the the obstacles that have been put up against them so I think that that will be huge for them because they obviously have the talent look at Stanway Hemp like they've just got it coming from all angles in terms of attacking so all they were missing was structure and kind of just solidity and hopefully those players will bring that and we'll see more competitive games pushing towards the top of that league table
1: and then finally at the weekend we had Reading's 1-0 win over Leicester City an interesting game definitely not the same way that the other two were in terms of their massive scores but it was again we see Leicester just missing it just not having enough to go through and I was just thinking about it after watching the game the fact that with Birmingham's win it would be so unfortunate for Leicester if they were the team that went down because I feel like they've brought quite a lot to the league and they've been so competitive competitive but are just continually being pitched to the post
0: yeah and again Reading were on a good run of form as well and they really really did put it up to them I think competitive is, is the key word you said it they, they was such a competitive game um, it, and it could have gone either way and you wouldn't have said that Leicester didn't deserve something out of the game maybe Reading had the better of the chances but Leicester did push and and they were pretty good like but. A great win again for Reading, even when they maybe weren't at the peak of their powers. Um, obviously, they missed a penalty, but uh, it wasn't all one way traffic for Reading, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, I think it's almost like where we see Brighton have their third successive defeat, Reading now have their third successive win, and it's almost like the two teams have swapped fortunes in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. For you, what is it that Leicester need to do, I suppose, to just bridge that gap slightly and pull out the like? is it a case of bolstering the squad and taking like the money and the accessibility of being in the WSL and using
0: that to bring in some better players? I think it has to be um, attacking talent nearly. I think that they're quite good defensively and, and they have kind of a sound block when they need to hold out teams. They are, they're not conceding a huge amount of goals and, They can build on that if they have someone to put the ball in the net. Um, We saw they missed a guilty chance towards the end of the game. I think it was Esme Graff missed one. But if they could just get someone who could kind of kickstart a a goal scoring form, um, I think it would go a long way for them. And then on the flip side, I think Reading's success has been built off their they're not conceding goals, but they were at the start of the season. They've conceded very, very few goals, even against the, the top, the more top teams, especially they've had massive win against Chelsea. And that's built on defensive stability and obviously Grace Maloney and goal. It's great to see her doing so well as well. Um, but for Leicester, yeah, I think if they can invest and, and find a prolific striker, I think it will go a long, long way to, to helping their chances and, and challenging Birmingham for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree on that one. Well, if you have any thoughts on the first weekend back in 2022 of the WSL, please let us know and get them into us at Off the Ball on Twitter using the hashtag OTBKoiGig. As always, at this point of the podcast, Emma Carroll has come along to join us. Emma, I saw you tweeting lots about the match. It felt nice to be back in that old rhythm of seeing you set up with a few screens and talking (laughs) about it. (laughs) You were making an argument to extend the team out beyond the WSL this week because of uh, a certain Irish player's amazing performance in the championship which we will get on to, but I suppose who did you end up going with for the actual WSL team of the week? The first one of 2022.
3: So just the uh, the four Republic of Ireland players. <laughs> um, Grace Maloney in goal, Harriet Scott, Louise Quinn uh, at the back and Birmingham uh, centre-back as well, Gemma Lawley. So three Birmingham players at the back. Lucy Bronze for the first time this season. It's nice to say her name. Um, and then in the midfield, we went with Sari, and I'm going to butcher this name, Van Havermast. <laughs> um, we we'll go with, go with that from Reading. Um, Lucy Quinn, um, and then up top, Lauren Hemp, Natasha Dewey, and Georgia Samway.
1: So, yeah, that's the 11. <laughs> I won't lie, only the four. Like...
0: <laughs> yeah, I was actually nearly expected more. So, like, with we'll the
3: thought about putting Jamie Finn in there as well you know <laughs> unfortunately Katie didn't really make a case for herself this week um, but yeah, kept I, the uh, left
0: back position though with Harriet so <laughs>
3: yeah exactly yeah, that place haven't...
0: is locked down for Irish people no matter what <laughs>
3: um, yeah and yeah then I suppose special honourable mentions to our Irish contingent at Liverpool um, yeah, and Kernan obviously hat-trick in six minutes is insane, Niamh Fahey as well on the score sheet and Northern Ireland as well from Rachel Furness so they, they were all at it so uh, yeah we really could have had a few more of we could have extended it It's going to have been a
1: good week for one of our like Irish teams of the week or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just to get everyone in properly um, to be fair by and large I did actually agree with a lot of the players you had, one that I thought could have been involved and I think you maybe did this because Leicester lost and also because Grace Maloney is Irish but I thought Demi Lamborn was really, really good in Leicester's goal. I thought it could have been a lot more. um, Like, she could have let in a lot more. Obviously, she saved the penalty as well. And it was, like, a well-taken penalty. It wasn't a case of her, you know, of Natasha Dowie striking it badly or anything. So I
3: did think that she could have been in there. Definitely worth a shout, yeah. But as I said, it's just purely on that Reading actually got the win. And (laughs) they were actually probably... More under the cush in the last 15 20 minutes with Leicester, like, um, mm-hmm. or actually had a go at them as well. So maybe Maloney didn't have too many out now saves to do, but what she needed to do, she done well, so that's why she got in there. And yeah, i I feel to like we're classes. gonna have to
1: have it properly out over like whether teams that lose or goalkeepers that concede lots can actually be in the team of the week. <laughs> I feel like we mention it half mention it every week but I feel like sometime we're gonna have to like you know properly dive into it
3: yeah we'll probably need to just get Emma Warren back on and tell us what <laughs> <Yeah. turns out. laughs> I'd say we
1: definitely get the truth there another one I was kind of surprised with was Lucy Bronze because I think the first game back of the season she did perform well not Lucy Bronze levels of well but, but like I, I don't think anyone expected that from her
3: um but yeah, yeah. I was interested in your defense of her uh, yeah, to be honest, she's one of my favorite players, and I think you could tell as soon as she came back into the team as well, just how much leadership she brought. You could see she was pointing and talking, and then obviously getting forward as well. She's just such a threat when she gets down to the byline and sends them crosses in. Um, yeah, seventy minutes, I think she got maybe about seventy minutes for her first game back in such a long time. Wasn't too bad either, but I think just the difference that she'll make, along with Kira Walsh coming back in, Steph Houghton yeah i think city might be transformed a little bit
0: yeah i think so and uh they were very very impressive at the weekend the only other two i picked out two other city performers who could easily have slotted in obviously you have picked hemp and stanway and bronze which is absolutely justified but i thought alex greenwood um was very very good she set away some great balls down that kind of left hand side and she's going to have Great balance then with Houghton with her right foot. So I think the two of them, both from stability and defensive point, but the way that they set off the attack and their accuracy with those long balls is really, really impressive. Um, and also, again, Hailey Razzo. I mean, she's yes. hit the ground running these last few games. She's on fire. She's so direct. She's so positive when she gets on the ball. So there's a lot more to come from City, but they definitely, definitely kicked that off this weekend.
3: Yeah, I think Kaylee Raso is really like dynamic and exciting to watch. She's something completely different to us that you have. Like they have so much attack, but she just offers like speed and everything else as well. And um, Georgia Stanway, I kind of just popped her in because even though I have her as a forward in this week's team, she actually started in midfield. And I think at this stage, she started probably everywhere bar centre back and goalkeeper. And we know she was actually nearly ended up in goals yeah. a few games back so <laughs> she, she pretty much covers every area of the pitch and she got, got on the score sheet then as well yeah and I'm,
1: as well someway I think she had like seven shots on goal despite not being in that like fully forward position that she can be sometimes on Hayley Rasso as well I always think it's quite funny how annoyed Australians get about the fact that she doesn't have a bigger profile in English game in general or maybe just in Europe but like you were saying, she is so impressive and she gives City something that they really miss. And I think, I always wonder whenever I watch her play that Gareth Taylor doesn't play her more, that he doesn't like push her more because especially when City were going through their sort of slump, I thought she was one of the players that really gave them an energy and didn't look as lethargic as some of the other players did.
3: Yeah, I think it's it's similar to the La um Question that we were talking about in a few podcasts back as well. It's it's one of those like, why why aren't they playing more? <laughs> I just don't mm. understand it. Like again, Isata comes on at the weekend and scores a goal, and just the difference she makes in in the center of the pitch is like her reading and intelligence of the game is just another level.
1: Yeah, Emma, if you were to pick out of the four Irish players that you
3: have, who was kind of the standout for you? Well, obviously, Louise's leadership at the back and just how their defence was so organised and structured and Arsenal didn't, re- I don't remember them having a single clear cut chance. Um, But I thought Lucy Quinn as well in the middle was actually quite good and she closed down quick and her closing down led to the first goal as well. Um, Yeah, she seemed to be kind of everywhere over the pitch and an excellent kind of shift and work rate that she put in. I did enjoy seeing how much Louise enjoyed it, especially coming against a club like Arsenal that she
1: spent so long at and obviously quite enjoyed her time there. I think it meant quite a lot to her Mm -hmm. to get that win against her former club. And as Karen and I were saying earlier, it's really nice to actually be sitting here and saying some positive things about Birmingham considering how down we've been on them with their Irish contingent not necessarily the Irish performances but just the team as a whole it's really nice to sit here and actually be marveling at one of their wins and yeah Lauren Hemp as well is always a player that's good to call out in these situations because she is absolutely phenomenal and I part of me is always surprised like she is very committed to City and always has been and I just wonder that is she the sort of player in like a season or two are the big guns like Barcelona going to call and will she be drawn away a little bit?
0: Based on her performances this year you're going to say that she's definitely going to attract attention and if City don't actually make that play for higher finish in this season um, she maybe her head will be turned but I think if they do turn the corner um, like you said she does seem very loyal and if they can kind of click things into gear and then maybe bolster their squad in the summer just they only need one or two players we saw that they were just a bit short um with the amount of injuries they had this year but I think again Man City will come and they'll be a force to be reckoned with so they'll be doing everything within their power to keep her because her performances when other players weren't quite meeting the mark have been almost 100% in every game
1: absolutely yeah. well if you have any opinions suggestions or thoughts on who should have made the cut or anyone that you just want to say was absolutely excellent in emma's team of the week please get them into us on twitter at off the ball using the hashtag O-T- otb joining us this week on the podcast is austin villa and ireland's Risha Liljohn. Risha, welcome to the podcast how are you
2: oh god what's happened there i've lost you <laughs> <laughs> Here we are, we're back, sorry, panic stations, I'm good though, I'm good, I'm all good, I'm happy to be here, it's even, I'm even happier seeing Karen's face on screen, so it's just beautiful.
0: Oh, thanks so much, I made a real effort for you, Irish
1: <laughs> I enjoy this every week, everyone we get on just comes with full of compliments for Karen and I feel like this is like Karen's weekly, like, I need and- it, I need, I need
0: this, I need the confidence in my life, I've been locked in my room for five <laughs> days now, I need, I need all the human interaction I can get.
1: <laughs> we're well, we happy to provide it as best as we can uh Usha, how are you getting on because obviously you had games cancelled at the weekend because of covid what's it like sitting at home and having to watch everyone else get to play while you can't
2: yeah well we had a game behind closed doors on the saturday so we actually got to play um which was actually that was nice then just to sit and get back to it i got covid over christmas so i was out for a little bit so um my heart and lungs are trying to get back to normality, but um, we're slowly getting there.
0: So, yeah, I'm going to be using that excuse in preseason as well. I haven't now preseason starts in a couple of weeks, so I'd say I'll be using that as my excuse for the meeting until in July. Anyway, I'll be
2: yeah. saying well, I had COVID back in December. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
1: and do you actually notice it? Like when you're trying to get back from COVID? Because obviously so many different people have so many different experience of it. Some people have worse doses of it. Some people don't even notice they have it at all. Do you notice that when you're trying to get back into training and stuff that it does take you a little bit longer, maybe in the same way it does with any old cold or flu?
2: I've got asthma and I, I literally just ran out of a certain inhaler. Um, so I didn't have that inhaler for a while. And then I was back on the pitch and I was like, just, I can't breathe. But it was only to do with this inhaler that didn't help. But I got the inhaler, inhaler back yesterday. So um, I'm breathing again. Always good. But well, we're very glad.
1: To take you back away from kind of the present day, would you like to just tell us a little bit about how you actually got into playing football in the first place and kind of the early stages of you falling in love with the game?
2: Yeah, God, it goes back to I was a kid and it was actually my dad said that he would be in the garden with the dog and he would just be kicking the ball down the garden for the dog to chase. And then I would try and join in. And that's apparently how I first got into football. I think I was seven when he took me to my first team. Um, and honestly, I like I didn't speak to anyone. I don't know what age I was, but my dad would take me along. He'd go, on you go. And I would just stand there. I didn't speak. I just chased the football about. I was like a mute, honestly. I just that would surprise people. Who <laughs> know it you would know. surprise <laughs> people, but it's so true, honestly. Even when I meet people now and I don't know them, I'm like, I don't really know what to say to you. I'm quite <laughs> awkward like that. But um, yeah, so that's how I first got into the game. Um, and then first team when I was at seven. And then, yeah the rest is history and
1: when you were started off playing like was there girls clubs around you or were you kind of with lads teams or how or like were you able to play at school what was the setup
2: I remember I would have played at school with the boys um I would have played for the then started playing for the the boys team in the school until god I'm not sure what age I was until you probably weren't allowed I went to our own girls um, high school so I was with the girls then um, I don't think there was many girls teams around. My dad, when he first took me to that team, it was a wee bit away. It was about 30 minutes away from myself. And then the woman that ran that team so sort I of told my dad there was a team closer by. And then we ended up going to that team and it was only literally 10 minutes from me. So that was handy. But I mean, my dad done all the driving. And I just sat there. He just he just was my personal taxi driver. So it was all good.
1: Sounds like he had a big love, both for the game and for you to be driving you around to all the different places. What was the stage where you were kind of like, oh, I'm actually quite good at this. This could be something that I do going into the future as like a job or a career.
2: To be honest, I've never really been at that stage. I'm still rubbish, but I mean, I just try, you know. But um, no, I don't know. I think it would have been, um, I couldn't put an age on it, but I just always knew I just wanted to play football. That's all I wanted to do. I just loved it. And then I went through a stage of just being grumpy. If I didn't do anything right, I was in a huff and then I think my mum and dad gave out to me. They were like, we're not coming to take, we're not taking you training or taking you to football if you're just going to huff all the time. And then um, after that, I think I kind of, you know, screwed the head on and that was it. But it wasn't until I was probably about, obviously when we were in the Irish team together, Carol, still some teams weren't professional, if you know what I mean. It's only been like, as of the last 10 years, like the WSL it has been pro, but even the like the early years of that, it's only maybe the last, you could probably say five to six years, it's really been like the way it is now, but as a professional league, and you can sort of, it is your job.
0: Yeah, because you'll have been on the books at at Liverpool and stuff before, they made the strides that they have, and people are still talking about them needing to pump more money in and put more backing into their women's team, Um, and that will surprise a lot of people in this day and age, but they were there for for a long time doing that kind of amateur setup as well.
2: When I was first at Liverpool, it was actually a a pay-as-you-play I think that was the same with a lot of the teams in the league. So literally you could have had one game a month and you would have got paid for that game. And that was it. And that's just the way it was. So it's, it's came a long way. But um, yeah, So obviously wasn't that, wasn't that long ago that that was going on. And how
1: did you balance that like semi-pro element and, you know, actually surviving
2: day to day? Uh, Robbing my mum and dad. But um, <laughs> yeah, actually we, I worked part-time too. Um, I worked with my mate actually in a shop, um, in a clothing shop. So I worked there part time and then I was playing football part time, so it was okay. But um, obviously you were going to jump at it because it was like playing football it was this new league, it was the next best thing. So you were like, "Oh, I want, I want to do that." You weren't not going to try it. Um, but obviously it, it's been tough, even like for myself, over the last few years, it's tough. Like if you're if you've not got a team or if you're coming to an end of a contract, like it's. It's quite a tough situation to be in, but I think you know the games are sort of growing. They're giving out longer contracts now, but um, it's not easy. But
0: it's been quite recent that you actually dedicated yourself to full time professional. Because I remember you were always working. Um, mm-hmm. when I was playing with you in the Irish team, yeah. did you just decide that I'm just going to give it one right go, and I'm going to even if I need to struggle through and I have to go through the stress of those short term contracts, you just kind of decide, right? Well, I'm just going to give it this shot as an yeah. age or it was just because you really wanted to play and challenge yourself or what was the kind of catalyst for that
2: it was a bit of both like i really wanted to play i think i had been playing in scotland i had been working playing but you're pretty much training five nights a week at times like it was a lot but you've done it because you wanted to play and then it was actually obviously i've been with katie for a couple of years and then i decided to move down to london to live with katie don't know what was wrong with don't know what was going yeah, through my have to question that
0: off the podcast
2: i know i know <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was it. So I played for a championship team, and then when I once I was down playing for the championship team, I thought I want to get into the WSA, I want to play in that league, and then I finally got my chance to. But I'd been away before. I played in um, Norway at sort a of, full time, but again, that was different. It was like only some girls were full time, not the whole squad was. So all girls were working, and then you train. Um, but no, it's nice that this is my job now. So hopefully, I can make it last for the next couple of years. We'll see.
1: As Karen said that you have like you've gone through a lot of short-term contracts or you've just like had experience with quite a lot of clubs or even like say Glasgow you've been there and then kind of gone away and come back what have you learned from that whole experience of being in so many different clubs over your playing career because I think it probably compared to a lot of people it is a few more than many would have experienced.
2: That's because I keep getting kicked out of clubs so I'm <laughs>
0: <young>. and countries.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been good, though. Um, obviously, at Glasgow, like, I can always go home to Glasgow and live with my parents, um, so that's kind of what would happen. I would go and I'd try to play for a team like Liverpool or I'd go to Norway, and so I was always up for trying new things, which I don't regret. Obviously, if I was younger and kind of had my head screwed on a bit better, I could have maybe been playing professional a lot earlier, but obviously I wasn't mature, so I think I've grew up a, a lot and I've, I've learned loads. Um, but it's been nice to go to all these different teams because... You're almost bumping into people, you're meeting new faces and then you bump into them so many years along the line. It's it's football, it's weird, it's such a strange game. Um, That's why it's important that you kind of don't burn any bridges, but I've burnt a few, I must say, but I've I've learned that lesson too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it makes for a good story and it makes for a good podcast. Do you want to tell us (laughs) any (laughs) of I know.
1: I love just the silence afterwards being like, no, Karen, you're not getting any of those We'll stories. move on, we'll keep moving on. <laughs> and is there any you say about, you know, it's great to have those experience and like to keep coming back to certain players over the years that like you meet up, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch. But are there any of those seasons that kind of stand out to you or any of those teams that stand out to you as where you particularly Progress like I know you had a very successful season when you were in Norway and with some of
2: the English teams as well but is there one in your mind that stands out do you know what it's probably when I played for Glasgow City for a the season there was one season in particular I can't remember what what year it was um but we had the coach Eddie Wileke he was very good a lot of detail we went in and um me and a few of the girls were like really close close like really great mates and everything you went to training it was like you'd such banter, such a laugh, but when you were on the pitch, it was like we were we were honestly like going through each other. It was mayhem, but it was just so competitive, it was great. Um you'd leave training either buzzing or furious, but then you'd be on the next evening. So it was like, right, we go again. Um that's probably that was probably the best time. I just can't give you a date, can't give you a year for that one. But one of those times at Glasgow City, yeah.
1: That's fine we'll take the good experience and then if you want to slide in any of the stories as well that's just what we're kind of like slowly pushing
2: towards. <laughs> I think um, we'd have to um, have a later channel a later shoot by um, viewing for the stories that I'd have to tell so gink
1: post, post the watershed Koigink we could definitely like work on that one um, <laughs> and you also had the kind of the experience that a lot of women's players did of having that uncertainty of like going out of contract during the pandemic something that no one had ever really experienced before and people really had all that much advice as well because it was so unusual what was that
2: like for you um it was it was okay I think I'm actually quite I'm quite laid back I can get like, if you're struggling, obviously, financially and stuff, that that can be, like, a huge a stress as a player. Um, but during the pandemic, I was okay. Um, obviously, I've got Katie, and um, we kind of then knew that my contract wasn't going to get renewed at West Ham at the time. So it was disappointing because I thought I had actually done quite well and things were going quite smooth, but um, it wasn't to be. But I was kind of like, I can't be sulking about it. I just need to kind of see what else is out there. And then I think it was, um, I went to Leicester, and it was full-time, and it was um, it was an interesting season. But Leicester have got such a great... Um, they, they've moved into the men's training ground. The men have got a new training ground, so the ladies have basically got their a training ground to themselves. So it's a great facility. It's a great setup. So I was quite lucky um, where we ended up. But um, obviously, I moved on and ended up going to Birmingham. Do you know what it is? I just love moving teams, and then you have to do an initiation when you get into the team. And I just love that moment in the sort of limelight and... That's what's quiet. your go-to? What's your go-to initiation now? So, oh, my last one was uh, Michelle McManus all this time. Oh, it's was what it. a cracker! Nailed it, Carol.
0: You'd have been uh, so. Close. I don't doubt you. Oh, I, mean,
2: a I don't know if we should get the band back together again. I don't know what you think. Maybe I maybe think it's year. time. I think it's time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Let's I think we should definitely do like a musical edition of the podcast. You guys <laughs> can just start yourself. I'll MC it for the night, and it'll be great.
2: Yeah. I'm all over it.
0: I'm in. <laughs> Get Julianne back with the, the we'll get, back. get the tem while Yeah.
1: This is the point where we need to ask someone to give us like a live show platform that we can just like have a stage somewhere COVID will be gone and we'll just trot out all the Irish international. No, Roosha's too much for all of this
0: now. Rush too much of her for all of this. She's turned the table. she left me in the band in the past. Now she's <laughs>
2: excelling. You left us. You left us. <laughs> you went
0: into retirement I left before I was pushed
1: (laughs) (laughs) um and speaking of like Irish internationals and Irish setups obviously you had the experience of playing with Scotland underage and then coming into the Irish setup but there was like a bit of a break between those two what were you thinking in that time because I know you said before that you kind of fell out with some of those coaches in Scotland and you kind of weren't going to be called back into the team were you thinking during that time uh, that's my international playing career probably gone or were you just taking the time waiting for someone in Ireland to kind of turn and say hey do you want to join Um, our setup
2: no I'd been put out the Scotland setup when I was I think I just turned 18 and obviously I was a bit of a joker and the manager at the time didn't like it um so I was put out and she told me I wouldn't play for Scotland for three years that was her words at the time and I was like okay well and that was it. And then I ended up down at Arsenal when it was Emma Byrne and uh, I think it was Cary Grant at the time and like Niamh Fahey were about. And they knew that I could then play for Ireland through my grandparents. So it sort of came about like that. But um, at the time, I think it was Noel King that was in charge and it was a crossover. So I hadn't really heard anything. Um, and then Sue Ronan came in charge. But the Scotland coach at the time then had actually phoned me and said, look, OK, I know you can go to Ireland now and stuff, but I'd like to... Take you back into the Scotland setup. Oh, I think you've sort of learned your lesson. Blah blah blah.
0: But
2: I just kind of thought I was happy a move with Ireland. Being with like my nanny, I spent my childhoods in Ireland and stuff at right, summertime, and that was where we spent our holidays. So I thought, no, I was happy to go and play for Ireland, and I'm very pleased that I did. And I was with a Hello,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although, it would have given me a lot more peace the end
2: we wouldn't have gotten in as much trouble maybe if, if we hadn't met each other
0: <laughs> I wouldn't have been as much fun though um True. we like when you did come the the culture is a lot different to how it is now uh you've obviously seen a lot of progression um in the time in terms of kind of that professionalism and stuff obviously we had really good times and we actually had really good teams that we played on um under Sue uh what's What's the main difference? You've played across three managers now. What's the main difference, good or bad, that you've seen?
2: Is this, um, what do you mean, like, with, within camp or, like, with the whole Yeah, or, team like,
0: in general, uh, yeah, and in camp, um, what's been your main kind of things that you've seen biggest, and taken away? The biggest
2: change is probably the interests that um, comes with the women's team now. Mm-hmm. There's a bigger following. There's always... Media days, there's people doing interviews left, right, and center, and um, there's such a big interest now. um Where obviously, your mind when we were playing at times, we'd have about five people in Tala cheering us on. It hey, was your yeah. mum,
1: your dad,
0: my, um, my dad. Your brother. <laughs> my brother. <Yeah. laughs>
2: so, I think that's probably the biggest thing. um I think, obviously, when Colin Bell came in, he sort of changed the way it was in camp, he made it like I think we we're all terrified to chew our dinner the wrong way at one point but um <laughs> the morning handshake was that-
0: a culture shock all right <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but you brought that sort of professionalism um and then I think there's not really been any looking back um and then via is in now and it's it's professional standards are high um but the main thing has got to be like the the following and the media ba- backing that's behind us now
1: I always enjoy the videos that you do for like Sky or any of the sponsors and just like it's funny when you say that you used to be quite quiet and you wouldn't talk to people So I always think like that you're kind of like one of, like when your face comes up on those videos I'm like oh this is going to be funny like you and Katie are just such a like pair and I think as well that's helped so much in terms of people getting to know you guys and like the personalities behind you're not just seeing the people playing on the pitch you're seeing like oh they're good crack as well or you're just learning stuff that's why I enjoy about doing this podcast like I learned so much about all the Irish players especially with Karen here who knows most of them and different things that go on and you're like ah, oh, they're not just like robots on a pitch these are like mm-hmm. people with personalities and I think that's been fun for a lot of fans to learn yeah in the last while um yeah. but you've also had that experience with the national team where you were like out for a couple of years and then Vera brought you back in what has that been like for you like kind of being back in the squad for the last I know you've had injuries and stuff that's kind mm-hmm. of tempered it, but just since I think it was 2018, you're kind of out for until 2020. But how has that been like for you?
2: Yeah, um obviously when I was out it was actually really difficult at first. The first few times were I think I was on standby, then I might have been called in and then I was on standby. Then it got to the point where I was like, right, I'm just not in this team anymore. Um, it was actually really tough at first because obviously I was with Katie and then Katie was in camp. Katie was captain. So I was just like, all right, see you then. Bye. So that was <laughs> that it. Uh, it was actually really tough. And then I kind of was able to deal with it a lot better probably after a year. I was like, right, OK, this is the way it is. I can only work hard and focus on my football. And hopefully one day it will change. Um but that took that took a bit of time to get to that point I'd say um it was it was tough at first but um I then got there I knew I would play for Ireland again let's just say that I'd play for Ireland it was just when when would the time be Mm -hmm.
1: and how did you deal with it like um, what was it a case of you having to sit down with yourself and say like I need to work towards this and I need to put in a bit more or were you at the time just feeling like this isn't gonna happen for me
2: at at first I was like poor me this is so sad, I don't deserve this. Um, I was, I mean, I probably deserved it way earlier on when I was about 18 stone trying to run about a pitch. But, um, <laughs> but at the time when um, Colin had actually came in, I was, um, I was fit. I'd kind of got myself back fit. Um, I was really looking forward to like a, a fresh start, new manager. I think all the girls at the same time were really excited because it was just new. So we were all really looking forward to it. And then obviously I wasn't getting selected. So... It was tough. I did have a wee pity party at first for the first wee while. And then um, I kind of sort of flipped my mindset and was able to go, right, let's just work hard. Just focus on me. Obviously, I watched every game that the girls were playing and that was hard. As soon as they start singing the national anthems, I'm like, oh, this is so hard. But um, you obviously want them to win and do well. And then, yeah, we're back in the squad now. So hopefully I can stay in there for a wee bit longer.
1: And when you got that first call to say... Rusha, you're back in the squad what like what how did you feel especially after working towards it and having to go through all that like pain and heartache beforehand mm-hmm.
2: I was obviously delighted but then I'll tell you when I first got back into camp that first weekend camp I was like oh my god like should I be here like should I just leave it now like things are different things have changed it was kind of like going into a new setup like the girls knew me but it was like I didn't know all like there was a lot of new faces in it, if you know what I mean? So it was like meeting the new girls again. It was just kind of going into like a, a new environment. Um, and then I was trying to like start from the bottom and work your way back up. So it was a wee bit difficult. I know I remember thinking after a few days, I was like, oh, maybe this was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have came back. But
0: I don't think anyone who knows your talent would agree. I think while you were out of the squad, it was a talking point in the squad. Um, I, I don't think anyone felt that there was... 23 players better than you at that time so do you think you were a little bit hard done by based on like reputation or or things like that that kind of preceded you even though like you said at that time you had turned the corner you had gotten Mm -hmm. fit you were playing really well so I think when you say you felt sorry for yourself there you probably did deserve to feel Mm -hmm. sorry for yourself as well
2: yeah yeah maybe like I still don't know really what what it was or I remember reaching out a couple of times and asking how could I get back into the team, but I was just kind of told to keep working hard. But I know, like sure, you know already by speaking to me, I'm me. I don't change my personality or who I am. Um and it sometimes probably goes against me. Um, but I I can't I can't change the way I am, and I'm always going to be to myself. So maybe some coaches don't like that, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I did feel a wee bit hard done by like Carol did. It was sad times, but um. Seeing that, obviously, Colin was a coach at the time, and I think he's probably, he is a very good manager. He's a good coach. He's very detailed in what he does. I would have liked to work with him, but unfortunately, I didn't really get to, but that's football, I guess.
1: You say there, and like Karen was saying it as well, that you're quite outspoken about things and so that you don't mind like having a joke. And I think you'd even see that in your career in the terms of, like you're one of the players who spoke out about Birmingham, about the facilities when they weren't up to scratch. You've always been like, you've been open about your relationship with Katie and doing different things. Like when they lit up the Aviva, I know you guys did loads of different uh, like media appearances about that. And you always have that sort of thing where you're very willing to say things that maybe other people aren't, which is great from like an outside perspective, but do you feel like sometimes it has
2: hampered you along the way? Probably, but I'd say it's probably more so um, my personality. I think some people don't get it at times, but I'm just like, why do we have to be like robots? Um, I still think, I still slag like, like the girls today every time after they, they post a picture after a match and it's the whole yeah. same post like, oh, game day under the lights. Another great three points. Yeah. On to the, the next I one. Think,
0: I think I'm actually going to mute the phrase we move or we go again. <laughs> like that, I'm watching will, yeah. They are so generic, they mean nothing. I hate when people take them. I'm going to get slack now for saying that, but yeah, I get what you mean. Like a lot of footballers' interviews and stuff, they're very generic. um mm. Yeah, we learned a lot from this, we'll go again, but it's nice that you can actually criticize yourself in a meaningful way or praise the team in a meaningful way. And I think that that's what we love about your interviews more than than anything and that's why we were so keen to get you on the podcast obviously today And um, but yeah I, I think continue on with that slagging because those Instagram posts they need to be worked on <laughs>
2: they do they do but that's it I do think I get how some of the girls now, because like you said there's a bigger media they're like you're yeah, kind of in the spotlight more a more. so everyone needs to be careful but I'm still like come on we can have at least a wee bit of personality just a little bit of banter
3: I yeah. Probably over- I remember um, getting
0: in trouble for an Instagram post, um, <laughs> and I was used as an example in a meeting, so um, I understand where they're coming from, but I still actually got out to me. message you about that. Did you not see there was a boy that plays for Birmingham
2: and he wrote a very similar um oh, really? about the points, not points? <laughs> you, you really spiked my mind. I thought it was a great post, it was just a giggle people just don't have our level of you know bounce that's all they can aspire they can aspire They
1: can. (laughs) I think it is something that the fans do appreciate you know you see I don't know one player will give a semi-interesting interview after a Premier League match and everyone's like oh my god like that person's a whiz they're like giving us such great insight you're like okay they gave a few tactical insights it was nice imagine if Everyone did a little bit more in Brawl, yeah. or you see like the abuse Manchester United players get for their kind of after-game Harry Maguire-esque. I'm so yeah. sorry that we lost. Like, I think yeah. fans do appreciate when you bring that little bit of
2: personality to things. Yeah, yeah, they do indeed. But this is the world we're living in right yeah. now. I feel sorry for the guys because they can't, they can't win. They can't, yeah. no matter what they do, they just can't win. But hopefully, yeah. we don't end up like that. Yeah.
1: Marisha, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck with the rest of the season, both with Ireland and in the WSL. Obviously, we will be watching along as we do every week for any Irish talent doing their thing. And also after this whole conversation, clearly looking out for any more interviews you do because we enjoy them very much.
2: Thanks (laughs) Um, for having me on.
1: (laughs) That is... That for this week's Koi Gig Pod myself, Karen and Emma will be back next week as ever to dissect all the WSL goodness that we've been treated to over the weekend and to rip apart yet another team of the week thank you and we will chat to you all then
0: The Koi Gig Pod and OTV Sports. They uh,
1: ran their socks off tonight and uh, they left everything out there, I'm very proud of
0: the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game We're going to go out there to beat them, we're going to try and beat them